Hello, and welcome to Socialism, the weekly Marxist analysis podcast from the Socialist Party. Figures associated with the youth climate strikes have raised the idea of students and workers taking part in an earth strike in September. The fact that young people are looking towards the organised working class is a very positive development. But what would this entail? This episode we ask how we can build workers' action in support of the climate movement. Thanks Scott. James Ivans here from the Socialist Newspaper Editors Department. Today we're going to be talking to Paula Mitchell, who's the London Regional Secretary of the Socialist Party and a member of the party's executive committee. Hello Paula. Hi. So this is not the first episode we've had about the youth climate strikes. Socialist Party members have been very enthusiastic in their support of the movement, taking part and discussing how the movement can forge a strategy to actually achieve change. We are the group, for example, which has proposed the idea of climate strikers organising school student unions to defend Mm -hmm. students against victimisation and build for the next set of walkouts. But we've also said that we think students should reach out to the working class, especially the organised working class in the trade unions. Now, this is the biggest youth movement since the mass student protests in 2010 against the Tories and Liberal Democrats tripling university tuition fees. Can it achieve change? Mm. Well, it has been a fantastic movement so far, it has to be said. Mm. Every month this year, since February, there's been thousands of young people, teenagers, even younger in some cases, walking out of their schools, demonstrating, holding uh, street meetings and discussions. Mm -hmm. It's been a fantastic movement so far, and I think it is certainly the case that in order to achieve change then there does need to be a massive fight. Okay. Certainly the case that we can't rely on the capitalist politicians just to listen to sensible arguments, and we can't rely on the vested interests in the profit system just to act on the facts about climate change alone. It's going to take a big fight. But I do think that the reference that you've made to 2010 is very significant because that was a huge movement of young people, students, FE students, school students who were fighting against a hike in tuition fees. And that turned out to be the first skirmishes, if you like, the first steps in the fight against austerity. Mm. Those demonstrations, they led into big trade union action, Mm -hmm. the biggest trade union demonstration that there's been in history, in British history. That was on the 26th of March. Yeah, in March the following year. So the students were demonstrating in the October 2010, and in March the following year there was a massive demonstration and then there was generalised strike action later on that year in, in November. Over 2 million workers took coordinated action mm. in the public sector over pensions. And actually we played quite a big role, I think, in helping that to happen. The Socialist Party. The Socialist Party, yeah, through our role in trade unions such as the PCS and others and also working with other trade unionists in the National Shop Stewards Network. Mm -hmm. We argued for each step at each stage to go to the demonstration and then to the strike action. And so I would say that there is potential for this new movement now to develop in that way. And that's why we've got stuck in in the way that you've described and, and try to point the way forward to raise the socialist ideas, which I think you've discussed in previous podcasts. That's right. And the need for students to get organised, as you've said already, about setting up student unions so that they have a say over what happens, they can organise, they can build, defend themselves, and crucially, they can plan what to do next. And we think that that needs to include 
planning how they can appeal to working class people organised in the trade unions and in the workplaces. So you've mentioned that there was this generalised strike action back in 2011. Now, Greta Thunberg, who is a young woman who's a kind of figurehead for some people of the global youth climate strikes, who has been put forward Mm. by the media as calling for the climate strikes, she has called for a general strike later this year. Some other environmentalist figures have also backed this. They proposed the idea of an earth strike on the 20th or the 27th of September, depending on which group you look at. And that has been taken up by wider numbers of activists, of young people in the climate strikes in this country and presumably elsewhere. Now, what do we think about that? Well, I should say, first of all, actually, it's now been agreed, I think, that it is the 20th of September. That's good. <laughs> so the different groups and organisations have talked to each other and have, and have agreed that date. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction. And we are very enthusiastic about this call. We've, as I said just now, we've been raising the idea from the beginning in our first leaflets and in the first discussions that we held with the young people that were on strike. We've got a big red sound system and we've been holding street meetings in effect like student assemblies, I suppose you might say, on Mm -hmm. the demonstrations to enable young people to discuss. And we've raised that idea right from the very beginning. And I think it's really good that so many young people are thinking in those terms. They're obviously enthusiastic about their own action, which is very important, but they're thinking in terms of mass working class methods. It's like an instinctive appeal to workers and to trade unions, which is really important. Mm. And I think for us, it's an opportunity to explain why that is important and for young people to learn about the power of the working class has obviously also been an opportunity to put pressure on the leaders of trade unions to actually act. Because the reason why we think it's important is because these protests are young people, as well as the school strikes, there's also been things like direct action carried out by Extinction Rebellion groups like that. Sure. And they're they're really good and they can they can stop the traffic on a bridge or mm-hmm. a junction for a few hours or even a few days. But strike action by workers in the union can grind a whole city or even the whole country to a halt. <laughs> that, you know, obviously is extremely powerful. Yeah. So this idea is, is, is very important. It's an opportunity for us to explain that it's working class people who have the potential power in society. It's working class people that keep society going, who drive the trains and makes all the products that we use, you know, that cleans the streets. It's who teach in the schools and, mm. and, and so on, keep the health service functioning and all the rest of it. So working class people have that potential power to bring society to a standstill and really hit the profit of the capitalists, which is what's going to be required, but also has the potential power not just to do the work that makes society function, but to actually run society as well. So it's a really positive development. So we think it's really positive, like you say, that the youth climate strikes, young people are looking towards workers and the trade unions How can we build workers' action to support the climate strikes? Well, the call for a general strike itself, there has been generalised strike action in a lot of European countries in recent years against austerity, Mm -hmm. most notably in southern Europe, in Spain, and and, uh, particularly in Greece, where there was more than 30 or up to 40. This year began with the biggest general strike in India in its history, 
But what, 200 million, I think, was it? Yes, yes, absolutely huge. But in Britain, we haven't seen generalised strike action since the fight in 2011 that we were just talking about. So for that to happen would be a massive step and it will take the sustained effort of appealing to working class people, preparatory steps. So I think it's important to do everything we can to get the best we can achieve on the 20th of September and see that as a step in the direction of more generalised strike action. Okay. And there's lots of different things that can be done about that. The Socialist Party members, we've produced a, a resolution that can be raised in trade union branches of all types. It doesn't just have to be unions in education, of course, all sorts of different trade unions. We're raising this idea amongst young people to appeal to workers to discuss together what can actually be achieved. Mm-hmm. It'll be really good for young people to get to union meetings, trades councils, to discuss together especially in the schools, for students to discuss together with the teachers and the support staff and for the unions to try to involve as many members as possible in the preparations. It's an issue to use to try to recruit the unions. And, you know, where possible, I think we should be putting the pressure on the trade unions for walkouts. I was at a trades council meeting in Waltham Forest last night, actually, where it was being discussed where that particular council... Labour Council has declared a climate emergency. Okay, what does well, that mean? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> there is no, as we pointed out in the meeting last night, there's no action committee being set up for it. This is a council which is currently chopping down trees and building tower blocks on floodplains. Yeah. But what it might, it could mean, for example, as well as stopping doing all of that, it could mean that they don't discipline their staff and that they actually encourage their staff to protest on the 20th of September. Why not raise that demands on those Labour councils that have declared climate emergencies. Sure. So they could be really big demonstrations. We could have workers who take the day off, who might call in sick. We think that trade union leaders should be invited to speak on those demonstrations and should be making themselves available to do that. And where it's not possible to actually walk out or have a strike in a workplace, it would be really good if there were protests in workplaces instead like at lunchtime or on the way into work or Mm -hmm. after work and again union branches trades councils can help with that they can make the materials make some big placards or signs yeah everyone could stand outside the front of the workplace and hold up the signs and take their pictures you know so trades councils or trade unions could coordinate that they could call local protests in their local town centres at the end of the day, things like that. And actually they could do a lot to help build for all of that as well, you know, produce leaflets, posters for shop windows, things like that in the build-up for it. So I think we, you know, we've got to put as much energy as we can into making it as successful as possible and see that as a step towards more generalised action. And again, learning the lessons from what happened in 2010 and 2011 that yeah. didn't just happen because it was called for. It was built for. It was fought for. As I said earlier, you know, the on the demonstrations, on each occasion, Socialist Party, the National Shop Stewards Network were holding stages to discuss, to get people up to speak, to have that debate. We produced thousands and thousands of leaflets always calling for the next step. Mm. And so it's that sort of preparation and building that the date in September could be a step towards. And, of course, at the moment, 
just like in 2010, 2011, it's not just one issue which is making young people angry and which mm. is making workers angry. Young people are angry, of course, about the climate, but also angry about the lack of a future which is being offered to them. It's being caused by cuts to jobs, cuts to pay and education, the high cost of housing. There are social divisions being whipped up in the current global crisis by pro-capitalist politicians and a lot more besides. And workers are exercised by the same issues, really, because they're living in the same world. So those would be big steps forward in terms of linking up the power workers have to shut down the economy, as you've said, to the youth movement. Mm. And this proposal of a general strike, however, of all workers striking at the same time. Now, you've sort of indicated that it, it's difficult for workers to go en masse from naught to 60 without any intervening mm. steps. Well, I think it's precisely by raising demands on other issues as well that more generalised action can be built for. Because as you say, the climate has been the issue that obviously young people have felt that they are able to act. There's been a lot of discussion about it. It's in the media. Their actions have helped that to happen, but it's been an issue where they felt they could do something. But they're angry about lots of other things as well, like you say, tuition fees, wages. We're also campaigning... In London, we're campaigning for £15 an hour London living wage. We've been going around shops and cafes in the last few weeks with our leaflets for that, talking to young workers who are really exploited on zero-hour contracts, on really low pay. And, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm about that as well. So I think it is important to link the issues together. And that's the case for the working class generally. The climate is vital, of course, and workers are directly affected by that. Bus workers last summer had a campaign about the heat in the buses that was in tolerable working conditions, and that heat issue applies to a lot of different workplaces. Obviously, we've also discussed this in other podcasts. There's the issue about polluting industries that produce cars or or, or whatever. Mm. There's obviously a huge issue there about securing the skills and the work of jobs in those industries and transferring to socially useful production and uh, green production. So there's all those issues directly affect workers, but workers are under the cosh because of austerity as well. Mm. There's many battles taking place at the moment on a localised issue, particularly over pay, over cuts, threats to jobs, and obviously we're also all suffering the massive cuts to benefits and services and so on. We would explain that it's the same class destroying the planet that is destroying our lives on a daily basis Mm. through cuts and privatisation, destruction of services and of communities. And I think that the linking together, the fight against austerity and against climate change is the best way to draw everything, to draw everybody all together. Now, we talked about the 2011 mass national strike in Britain. There was generalised strike action throughout Mm. the public sector. That strike didn't succeed in the end, however, did it? It was sold out by the very bad role played by some of the right-wing trade union leaders in Mm. that movement. In the time since then, however, the anger felt by working class and young people over a lot of the issues which fed into that massive strike in 2011 hasn't gone away, has it? No, absolutely not. I mean, that action was betrayed. It wasn't the lack of a will to fight by ordinary workers and union members, but the capitulation of the leadership, that was a defeat. But the anger is absolutely still there and growing, and it's found an expression in other ways. Again, we discuss all the time 
in these podcasts and in the socialist newspaper. Issues like the enthusiasm for Corbyn's manifesto, obviously the question of the Brexit vote, where workers have found a way to beat at the capitalist establishment, then they've taken it. But I think now, particularly, a decade of austerity means that many workers are at a breaking point. Mm. I don't think it's an accident that there has been a kind of a mini strike wave in some respects of these localised actions that are taking place. And at the same time, there is a growing, enormous crisis for the capitalist class in Britain over Brexit. It's the biggest crisis in decades, an enormous crisis in the Tory party, I don't think there's any question that a bold lead from trade union leaders would strike a chord. But that is why this movement also means a fight in the trade unions to win unions to the programme, to fight on climate change, sure. but also to win a socialist fighting leadership. So the demands that we raise and that we put on trade unions are, are vital to arm the members in those unions to pressure their leaderships to act, but also, if necessary, to replace them. Now, the Socialist Party today talks about mass mobilisations building towards joint strike action. Even at the time of the November the 30th strike in 2011, we called for a 24-hour general strike rather than, say, an all-out general strike, an indefinite general strike. Why is that, and what are the differences between these demands? Well, yeah, what we're talking about is generalised action of a protest character. An all-out general strike, which is what happened in Britain in 1926, is very different. An all-out general strike poses the question of who has power. Like I said before, it's the working class who keeps society on the move, but we don't run it. We have potential power, but we don't have actual power. Not yet. That's right. And in an all-out general strike, it's not just that things grind to a halt for a day, but an all-out strike you know, that goes on, in other words, over time, over several days, workers get organised in committees and actually start to run things. Workers make decisions about what moves and what doesn't move, about people receiving health care, the distribution of food and so on. In other words, it poses the question very clearly of who actually rules in society. So we don't raise the demand of a general strike lightly because an all-out general strike means the working class either has to take power or it can go down to serious defeat. Mm. But a one-day strike doesn't necessarily do that. A one-day strike is a testing of strength. It can have a huge impact And particularly in a country like this one where it doesn't happen very often, it can have a really big effect. It could shatter the government. A one-day general strike could bring down the Tories if they haven't brought themselves down already by that stage. And, of course, could be a stepping stone towards building the kind of movement which would allow a general strike which could take power, which is ultimately what we want the working class to achieve. Yeah. So you make the point that national workers' action could bring down the Tory government and presumably, of course, could usher in a Corbyn-led anti-austerity government. Would that be the end of the story? Job done? (laughs) No, not at all. You've just got to look at what's happening in the Labour Party right now with all the efforts about Chris Williamson, with the deputy leader Tom Watson leading the efforts yet again of the pro-capitalist wing of the Labour Party to strangle the Corbyn leadership, possibly even moving against him before a general election. 
but a mass movement would dramatically alter that process. It would dramatically alter the process in terms of forcing a general election, Mm. but also could have a huge effect on helping to forge a real anti-austerity party. You know, it could have a decisive effect on that battle inside the Labour Party against the Blairites and help to forge a genuinely anti-austerity party that really does represent working class and young people and not the interests of the bosses. And also a movement that is capable of bringing down a government like that would also be extremely important in being the counter-pressure against the pressure of the capitalists which would instantly be applied to any government that was elected Mm. and attempted to represent the interests of working class people. So it's it's crucial to build that movement as the counter-pressure to the capitalists. And that's also why a crucial part of this movement is also arming it with the programme, with the socialist measures that are necessary, that would have to be fought for. And I, I would say, I mean, if this movement now were to become consciously anti-capitalist, which previous movements which had some similarities to this, like at the beginning of the anti-austerity fight, there was the mass student movement, and obviously, crucially, there was the trade union battle, but there were also campaigns like UK Uncut and Occupy, which have some similarities to Extinction Rebellion, for example. Sure. But certainly in its early days, Occupy was explicitly anti-capitalist. They had a big banner outside St Paul's saying capitalism is crisis. And that would be a big step forward now for this movement. But even more importantly, and that's why we've argued the case so much, is for it to become a socialist movement for the measures that are necessary. Because if we are going to, and we have to, fight to combat climate change, then that's going to take decisive measures. It's going to mean, for example, the nationalisation of energy and of industry and transport to enable democratic control and management, to enable planning of resources. It means to redevelop those more damaging industries into socially useful work, as Mm -hmm. I say, to keep the skills for society, to protect the jobs. It means investment in sustainable green housing and, you know, all of those issues. So that's why we've also put a lot of effort into the demands, the debate, the street meetings, why we put demands on the trade unions to arm the movement for what needs to be done. Because the banks and the big businesses won't accept that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we've got to take them over. Thanks very much, Paula. (laughs) I think the huge energy and determination of young people whose future has been stolen from them by the profit system is an inspiration to working class people across the planet. Now, we say that to achieve deep and lasting change, the trade unions also need to take up the struggle against the common enemy, that's the big businesses and capitalists who pollute the planet and force workers into poverty for profit. If you agree and you want to help build a movement capable of wielding the huge power for socialist change that we've discussed today, think about getting involved. Here's Scott with the details. Thanks, James. You can read more about what we think and find out about joining the fight back at socialistparty.org.uk Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party. This week we heard from Paula Mitchell, speaking to James Ivans, and I'm Scott Jones. Till next time, solidarity.